So full disclosure, I have to teach from this microphone today because Mark, who did a phenomenal job of kicking off our sermon series last week, walked right out the doors with a microphone still on his body. So he's in Hawaii this morning. And, um, and this is going to be fun, man, because um, I'm really excited about today's message. And so if ever there was a moment where I would be all kinds of Alan and would want to basically like run laps in my normal spot, uh, I am confined to this space, um, which that, all that does is, you know, messes with the uh, recording. And honestly, who cares about that? All right, here we go. So, um, uh, Angie, if you will, put up our first slide. This is the Eiffel Tower, right? Uh, it was constructed. And uh, when it was constructed, it, it, two things were cool about this. Uh, there were no casualties in the construction of the Eiffel Tower. And after it was constructed, it was the tallest structure in the world for over 40 years. Does anybody know how long it took to erect the Eiffel Tower? Take a guess in your head. Okay? And here is the answer. It took 793 days. All right? Uh, the Empire State Building. I thought about grabbing all the cool pictures of the guys, you know, sitting stories and stories and stories on just simple welding beams. But here's a great shot of it from its beginning to its end. Any idea how long the Empire State Building took? A long time. It was faster than the Eiffel Tower. 410 days. Yeah. Yeah. And then Disneyland. How long do you think it took Disneyland to go from Walt Disney's imagination to an actual theme park that kids and families of all ages could attend? Go ahead and show them. 366 days. From concept to completion, it was one year and one day. Crazy thing about this is that uh, in reading about it, they did have construction pretty much going around the clock, 24 hours a day. Uh, they finished it just in the nick of time. And so some fun things happened. Like on its opening day, uh, several of the rides broke down after a few hours. And it also says that the asphalt was so fresh on one of the main walking strips that ladies lost their heels because it was still soft. Right? What about the first iPod? The first, uh, y'all remember the iPod? I mean, come on now. We could carry 1,000 songs in our pocket, the death of the CD, right? Uh, how long do you think it took from concept to completion, our first iPod? Any... Any guesses? Okay, surely by now you guys realize I'm going from like big numbers to smaller <laughs> numbers. So hint, it was less than a year, uh, 290 days. Uh, so Steve Jobs uh, stamped his approval and green light on the project in March, and the first shipment of the first iPod uh, made its way into stores in November. So at any rate... Now, I want to do this in the opposite direction. Now, 107 days. 
Do you know what happens in 107 days from right now? 107 days from now, January 2023 will be in the books, it'll be history, and it'll be over. In 107 days, January of 2023 will be behind us. And so what I want to do is I want to invite all of you into a season of listening. For the next 76 days, what would it look like for us to listen to the Lord in preparation and in excitement for what he would have for us in the year to come? 107 days, January will be over. And my prayer is that not only will it be over, but it will be filled with story and adventure where we heard from the Lord, partnered with the Lord, and made new waves in our own lives and even in our community. Amen? So we, 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 are, we, are, in this, we are in this sermon series called Listen. We're taking some intentional time to actually listen. And Mark kicked it off last week. And very quickly, I do want to show what he took us through because it was a great beginning to this season of listening. First, he showed us John 14 and John 16. And he reminded us that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things, that he will bring to remembrance. He will remind us of all things, that he will guide us, that he will tell us things to come. And then I think it's so beautiful in verse 13, Jesus says, he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. And after setting the stage of the Holy Spirit's activity of teaching and reminding and guiding and forecasting and declaring, Mark took us to 1 Kings 19, the story of Elijah, where God invited him onto a mountain. And wind broke out, and earthquake broke out, and fire broke out. And it was clear that God was not in any of these things. God was in the still, small voice. And Mark asked us this question. Or better, maybe better said, gave us this statement to chew on. The text reveals that the place and time to listen is not in the busy, not in the noisy, but where it is still and quiet and calm. And he helped us see, the next slide, the challenge and the conflict. It's challenging to listen when we're busy because we're not focused, right? It is challenging to listen with a lot of noise because we can't hear. And so, as we began this season of listening, we were encouraged. Next slide. We were encouraged to find a place and a time away from the busyness, away from the noise, a favorable environment to put ourselves in so we can listen. Not only that, he encouraged us to find what works for us and then make that a rhythm. It was wonderful. And I do, I, I don't want to like step over that. I want to refer back to it quickly because today we're going to take that encouragement and go one step further. So in this season of listening, when we do take the time to find a place and a time when we're away from busy and away from noise and we can hear from the Lord, I would like for us to position ourselves to where we are ready to receive. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Ready 
to receive. Let's take just a moment and invite God's voice and invite God's presence as we continue this morning. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for every person here. For their enthusiasm for a relationship with you, for their commitment to this time on a Sunday morning, I ask God that in these moments you will stir our hearts. And solidify in us a stronger appetite to not only get in your presence, God, but to yield to you in your presence. Lord, make us ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so grab a Bible. If you have one, uh, a nice, cool, old-school book Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to two places. Mark chapter 10 and then Luke 19. Mark chapter 10 and Luke 19. We're going to look at two men today who had a moment in God's presence. They had a one-on-one conversation moment with the Lord. They had some great similarities among the two of them, a few differences, but the most critical difference is what happened after their moment with the Lord. All right, so we're going to look at what is commonly referred to as the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. And the rich young ruler, we know him to be like, again, a wealthy man, right? Uh, It is said in Luke's rendition of the story that he was a religious leader. So that's an important detail. Not just wealthy, but also religious. A leader among spiritual practices of his time. All right, so that's what we have. Mark chapter 10, that's where we're going to be first. So if you would join me there. And what I want us to see, man, again, is that like their outcomes and their moments with the Lord are very different. So Mark chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 17. Where it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. And he knelt down and he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. So I want you to see from the beginning that this religious leader, we're going to call him RL, right? I don't want to say religious leader for the rest of the time we're here. So RL, good old RL, religious, you guys get it. RL makes it a point to run up to the Jesus, to to kneel down in his presence to command his attention, right? So he's found a place and a time to be with the Lord one-on-one. And he asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' answer is kind of a puzzling one, right? Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And some different theologians might come at this a different way as far as what exactly Jesus was after. Most would agree, though, that what Jesus likely was doing was he was probably objecting to 
the religious leaders' loose use of the word good. Right? So just you can call anything or anyone good. Right? Good, good, good. That's good. That's good. You're good. We're, we're good. We're good. Right? He, he was talking about objecting to the u- loose use of the word good. And what Jesus even more importantly was doing was he was taking his conversation with R.L. And he was focusing R.L.'s attention on God. So Jesus did not for a moment um, or in any way deny his own goodness. If you'll notice that, like, he didn't say, I'm not good. He just said, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. So even in this one-on-one conversation, we see Jesus begin to draw his attention, RL's attention, completely on the Lord. Can I just tell you this morning, like, when we listen, let's center our attention on God. When we listen, let's center our attention on God. I mean, R.L., he comes to Jesus with a question, right? He initiates the conversation. And here, Jesus has a word for him. Jesus has a word for R.L. But it's difficult for R.L. to hear what Jesus has to say because he is listening through the lens of his own goodness, of his own legacy, and his, of his own accomplishments. Right? He's kind of consumed with himself. But even amidst that, Jesus is faithful. Let's look at verse 19, because he says, to answer your question, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't testify falsely, don't lie, don't cheat anyone, and honor your father and your mother. R.L. says, man, teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. What's happening here? Man, I just want to read it directly from from, uh, a study Bible. I want you to check this out. So here's a quote directly from the New Living Translation Study Bible. Because Jesus doesn't get into all of the... Oh, wait, I'm jumping ahead. That's right. I'm sorry. Let's finish. Andrew, next slide. There we go. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing that you haven't done. Go and sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, man, follow me. There's the conversation in its entirety. What we see here is this. Check it out. I, just want, I want you to read this like syllable for syllable because it's just so good how it encapsulates the conversation. It says, instead of having an extended discussion about what it means to truly keep the commandments... Right? That's, that's the question R.L. has for Jesus. Jesus focused on the specific issue that revealed this man's problem. He still lacked one thing. He loved riches more than he loved God. Entering the kingdom of God requires repentance. And Jesus helped this man to understand exactly what repentance entailed for him. Next slide. Jesus' command to the rich man was not a universal requirement for entering the kingdom of God. It was addressed to R.L.'s particular situation. It teaches anyone seeking eternal life that nothing else can come before God. Repentance requires the removal of anything that we place above God. 
It's, it's crazy. Like, if you look at it, man, RL is having a, he's having a spiritual, religious conversation with Jesus. He's asking questions about what does it take to, eternal, to, to gain eternal life. He's, you know, talking about obedience and deciphering the law. I mean, they're having a religious conversation. And Jesus is having a relational conversation. He's saying, bro, you got to repent. And what's so beautiful is, I mean, like in the midst of that, Jesus looks at him with genuine affection. There's no hostility. There's no like conflict or, or weirdness. Jesus can hold him so well. And ask of him so kindly but firmly, here's the next step you need to take. Here's what we can learn from R.L. in his encounter with Jesus. I mean, it's going to be hard to hear God if the things that are important to us are more important than him. It's just going to be hard to hear him. If we go into his presence with stuff on our heart that we want answers to. And it's okay to have burdens. I mean, we know the Bible says to cast our cares upon him. But like if all we want is answers and solutions, we're going to end up short of what he may have for us, his word for us. So verse 22 says, at this R.L.'s face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Zacchaeus shows us what it looks like to let go. Let's skip over to uh, Luke 19. Luke 19. And this time I am going to read it right out of my Bible. Ah, no, I'm not, because I want to do two things at once. Watch this. All right, Luke 19. So Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. Somebody say very rich. No, I mean, like, we're talking very rich. There it is. Yeah. He was a chief tax collector. Rich young ruler, he was rich. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. What that means is that he has leased the right from the Roman rule to tax his people. Not only that, because he is like a chief tax collector, he has other tax collectors underneath him that are tax collecting and he's getting a commission from those cats. So he's in a spot where he can be very rich, but also very despised. Because he's doing these things from his own people. That's who he is. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 4. I don't know if you know the song. If you guys, like when you were kids, maybe you grew up in a Baptist context, you can still hear like the Zacchaeus song in your head. 
But verse 4, it doesn't even like say it directly, but it says it beautifully. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus is going to pass that way. Again, very rich man. Right? A lot of people knew who he was. This was a very undignified thing for him to do. It's not, I don't know, I don't know how to, like, if you can think of somebody, like, like they just have no business in all of their business attire climbing a tree. Like, picture the president or a CEO, whatever, man, like, just doing this weird thing. So there's a crowd and this really important person is, like, climbing a tree just to get a look at the Lord. But what that communicates is, man, like, my identity, my clout, my prestige, my whatever, it's just not that important. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I would even say it this way. Zacchaeus' encounter shows us what awaits us when we desire a God moment more than our moment. I don't want to take too much speculation into the matter, but if this is where he's at, it's either because of genuine curiosity about Jesus in his way, Holy Spirit inspiration to connect with the Lord, or just the truth, man, that you can be very rich, very prestigious, and still lack. Maybe it's a, a beautiful blend of all three, but Zacchaeus wanted to know the Lord. Let's keep reading. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus uh, to his house in great excitement and joy. In great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone, that is Jesus. Jesus has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. And I know we're having this conversation about listening and being ready to receive, but blah, maybe this is the most important thing I could tell you this morning. And I want you to say it with me. Say, as for me, I will not be a grumble butt. As for me, I will not be a grumble butt. Look at that for a minute, man. The people were displeased. People that are displeased, are they fun to be around? No. They're also making the judgment that this, this Zacchaeus guy is a notorious sinner. So they're labeling him. They're classifying him. By the way, pretty much as we can see in real time, according to his past, which is no longer true. Because what he is now is someone who is after the heart of God. But they are displeased. They are certain. They are grumbling. And man, hear me. I'm a grumbler. My wife will tell you, whoa, I can have some grumble moments. And they suck. And I suck. And I don't want to suck. 
In my reading and readying for this moment, I was reminded again, I don't want to spend my days grumbling. I don't want to be that. So as for me, I will not be a grumble butt. I got too much goodness that God has stored up in me that I can give to somebody else. We're going to say it one more time. And check it out. Man, I wasn't going to do this, but I am going to do this. I'm going to take a video of us doing it. So you got to do it. Be louder than the person next to you. I want to put this on the Instagram. We're going to do it for the gram. All right. Oh, I got to turn my camera around. Oh, there we are. In all of our glory. Y'all ready? Yeah. As, for me, As for me, I will not be, will not be a grumble butt. A grumble <laughs> all right. There we go. Let's move on. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. Somebody say the Lord. And he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Lord. That's the word. Lord. You are Lord. You are in control. You are sovereign. You are the king of the kingdom. You are the one I want to follow. Lord. There's the difference. I'll let go of half my wealth. Lord. If I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. A cool thing about that is that like restitution was usually only about 20% of the original crime. But if you actually stole something from someone uh, in Jewish tradition, you would give them back four times as much. And so he is confessing and owning his stealing and his cheating. And Jesus responds, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Man, I hope y'all see this. If there's anything that Jesus could call me, may it be a true son. Ladies, if there's anything that he could call us, may it be true daughters. <laughs> it's one thing to be very rich. It's another thing to be truly generous. Truly generous doesn't require a lot of money. It just requires the opportunity to give and then obediently, fervently stepping into it. That's what a true son looks like. Jesus goes on to say, man, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus could have spent his three years in ministry walking around telling everybody who he was. Do you know who I am? I'm an important person. I'm a big deal. He totally could have done that. He could have come in pomp and in circumstance and his royal robes and all the things. But that's not what he did. What he did was he came and he says, do you know who you are? You are important. You are a big deal. And it changed everything. Everything. That is his message. That is the message of the cross. You are beloved. You are accepted. You are forgiven. I love you. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. I love you. 
That's the invitation. That's the beauty of it. May we be people. May we be people who communicate the message of the kingdom as true sons and daughters. Be it through generosity. Be it through a moment of kindness. Be it however we can be it. If God gives us people, let's tell them how much they're worth. Let's tell them how much they're worth. So here's the deal. I did, I did skip one thing that I want to go back to. And that is this. When you listen, don't merely listen for him to answer questions to solve problems. Listen for him to direct your steps. Zacchaeus could have gone to him and opened his mouth. But he didn't. He just went to him. Without agenda, which means he was free to step into God's agenda. And can I just tell you, like, if God has an agenda, it's going to get done. It's going to get done. And that's the beauty of Zacchaeus, man. He's just up in that tree. His desire, his undignified desire to meet Jesus is obvious. And Jesus lights up and he says, Zacchaeus, man, I must. Somebody say must. I must come to your house today. That's on my to-do list. I'm going to be at Zacchaeus' house. Isn't that beautiful? It's amazing when we just put ourselves in God's presence, make space and time to hear from him without anything other than to hear from him. I mean, he will have a greater level of room to direct our steps. As I wrap up this morning, I want to say this. Man, like, um, I want to be careful not to quiet your imagination or your ambition or vision or goals or dreams because a lot of those things are God-given. But when we are in his presence, if we're going to take time to listen, let's prioritize the reality that he is king, he is sovereign. And there may be a new idea or a new dream Whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is, I'm in. So let's find a quiet place where we can focus. And then let's quiet ourselves and get ready to receive. Let's quiet ourselves and get ready to receive. I want to, for those of you who like to take pictures of, um, of stuff, here's one thing, one way that I want to equip you. If, if you do this this week, and it's not only in the morning, this is something you can actually kind of do throughout the day in this idea of like getting in the presence of God and getting in the groove of his agenda for the day. Check this out. This is from a book called uh, Resisting Happiness, but it is a prayer uh, encouraged to, to engage this very idea. So, loving Father, I come to you today to make myself 100% available to you. I lay everything I have and everything I am at your feet. Take what you want to take, give what you want to give. Command me in all things. I will do, here's a fun word, whatever you ask me to do. 
Transform me and transform my life so that I may become the very best version of myself. I added this next part for context. Like, it's not just about you being the very best, right? It's like, whew, you're not trying to achieve something, right? I made it. I'm the very best. No, I want to be all that you created me to be. I want to find the fullness of all that you've packed into me so that I can become the fullness of all that you've packed, the very best version of myself, and lead others to you with my life and with my love. Amen. Let's be people who pray this prayer from the undignified posture set up in a sycamore tree and to see what God would exclaim each morning as we start our day. Amen? Again, like true sons, true daughters know the true message. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost.